the if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it idea is like the implication behind all of that is if you didn't claim me, if you didn't mm. take ownership over me by, by getting engaged or getting married, that then you're liable to lose me because mm-hmm. I don't have any commitment to you, right? I don't have any commitment to this relationship unless this external thing has happened that has nothing to do with our relationship necessarily but we've given it this meaning if you're happy with the same old ways of dating if you enjoy sucking at communication and you have no desire to improve your romantic life then our podcast might not be for you but you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships broaden your sexual horizons develop a better understanding of yourself or learn more about non-monogamy then you've come to the right place I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, we're talking about conscious monogamy. Uh, as our listeners know, on this show, we give advice that applies to people in all sorts of relationships, not just polyamorous ones or just relationship anarchist ones, but all sorts of relationships. That said, we usually tend to focus on a non-monogamous perspective, since that's something that's less well-known in the world. But for this week, we're actually turning that around, and we're going to focus on monogamous relationships and how to build those consciously, and some conversations you can have to do that that can actually help improve any sort of relationship Mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah, so there's this term that gets thrown around a lot, and I know I threw it around in my book a couple of times. Uh, The term (laughs) is conscious monogamy. And when I was sitting down to do some research for this episode, it's funny because if you type conscious monogamy into Google, every result that comes back is from a polyamorous website. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like there's very few sites that are more traditionally focused or that are marketed or aimed at people in more traditional relationships that are talking about conscious monogamy specifically, Um, which I think is really interesting. I know Jace has mentioned that he's found the same thing with uh, searching for the relationship escalator. Is that the same thing that you won't find a lot of sites that are more monogamously focused? And do you think that's probably just because people tend to think that they already know what monogamy is and what it should be and what the ideals surrounding it are? And that's why, like, conscious monogamy isn't really an idea potentially in people's minds? Yeah, I I think so, because I think that we've been socialized to think that monogamy is just this default thing that doesn't require consciousness around it, because everyone knows how it goes, and everyone knows... because it's the only option. Right, well, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's usually what what really, you know, how we're operating, is that monogamy is the only option, and so how could you even question it or qualify it in any way right that there doesn't need to be an emphasis on consciously choosing it because there isn't a choice Mm -hmm. that's just Mm -hmm. how you do it that's just how it needs to be done yeah but Uh, anyway as far as a little bit so there isn't a set definition for what conscious monogamy actually means and i think that it's easier to kind of chip away at it and examine it piece by piece um so the first question is i guess actually what is being conscious? What is the conscious part of conscious monogamy? Um, and I mean, I have my own background, like in meditation and Buddhist, 
consciousness <laughs> that affects what my definition of consciousness is. Uh, but I think there can be many different aspects to being conscious. Well, I think that a place to start here is that being conscious is the opposite of being unconscious or something being subconscious, right? So if we're looking at this more from the way that the term is used in psychology, that consciousness means being aware of existing, mm-hmm. being aware of mm-hmm. yourself, I guess. So this can also be applied to consciousness in terms of the way you conduct your life means, oh, I'm conscious of the fact that I have a loud voice. So I'm conscious of trying to keep my voice down when I'm in a library, right? It's kind of related to self-awareness a little bit in Mm -hmm. the way we use this. Mm -hmm. So I would say our first part of this definition of what being conscious means is being aware of both external and internal objects. Mm. And that could be metaphorical objects, like the loudness of my voice. Right. Um, But yeah. It could be like a consciousness (laughs) of particular triggers that i have within mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. yeah right. something yeah, like that right. that's a good yeah. one yeah that that it's not something that controls me but i'm, I'm aware of it i'm conscious of it being right a thing yeah. or like i'm conscious that i have an insecurity around this thing instead right. of being unconscious about it and lashing out with anger or mm. trying to guilt other people who don't feel that same insecurity interesting. if you're unaware of it yeah. yeah i think again coming back to my own background in meditation and in more eastern philosophy around consciousness it involves an aspect of being aware of the present of the present moment and avoiding obsession with the past or with the future um I know that it can be really easy to get reductionist and just be like, oh, it means just living in the present and not worrying about the past or the future, which isn't quite realistic for human beings. And so I think something that's more accessible is this idea of just that you're avoiding being obsessed with the past, you know, like reliving the past or rehashing old memories or wanting to go back to the past. And you're also avoiding an obsession with the future, worrying about the future, worrying about what's going to happen, you know, getting really caught up in trying to make sure that your plans go through or make sure that your relationship turns out the way you want it to things like that yeah or that your past relationships also are going to dictate what your future relationships are being obsessed with what happened in past relationships also yeah because i've definitely been in past relationships and i'm like well i guess it's probably going to go the same way in this Mm. one or or that it's something that i'm consciously like looking out for at all times Mm. so that's a good thing to see this applying to being too future focused of mm-hmm. oh yeah well i know that this this relationship's gonna be fine mm-hmm. so i'm gonna put up with it being really shitty right now <laughs> and Inter- kind of with this that's an interesting idea that just somehow it's it. gonna work out because that's what happens in the movies yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like that's putting it more one. on the future if someday it's gonna be good yeah my so happiness can... is in the future so i don't need to be happy right now interesting yeah that's interesting and another um aspect of being conscious is being mindful of your thoughts, uh, your emotions, your actions as they come and go, and really not letting them overtake you. So if you're in a position where you're really angry about something, to not let that just completely like flood your life or flood the thing that's occurring in front of you or causing it to kind of overtake you. Um, yeah, or let it color everything in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Right, you're like, angry about one thing, and because of that, you quit your job your interactions right. sure your interactions right. with everyone around you is always colored by colored by that one thing right. yeah right i think the mindfulness of thoughts is is interesting because it's this idea that you can have a thought and you can be conscious of the thought but that doesn't mean that you can believe the thought or believe that the thought is true 
Um, okay. Tell are you me supposed to like just observe observe the yeah, thought? Yeah, like observe yeah. the thought, like because you can have a thought of like, oh, my life sucks. Um, maybe if you're having a bad mood, or if you're like, I don't know, if you're feeling sick, or something bad happened at work, and you can have the thought of like, my life totally sucks and it's awful. But maybe that's not actually true. Maybe it's just it's just I had a bad day. It's just I'm in a bad mood right now. It's just mm-hmm. I'm PMSing right now. And so you can observe the thought without internalizing the thought, I suppose. I think I think that's that's a big part of consciousness for me. I I, think. I've found I need to be really aware of that when I'm tired. Mm, if I haven't right. slept enough for a couple days, um, I'll tend to get a lot more jealous or just a lot more sort of depressed about myself or I'll feel less motivated because I'm tired and then reflect that onto like my worth as a human being Mm. and I'll get like I can get quite upset especially when I'm tired and as I've become more aware or to put it in these terms more conscious of that um, that has helped me to it doesn't make the feelings go away but it at least helps me to realize I don't need to make any major life choices based on that's not your reality necessarily right and that I need to get to sleep right (laughs) you said feelings are not facts yeah yeah well well this very much leads into the next thing i want to bring up is uh having an awareness of impermanence Mm -hmm. again to bring it back to the buddhishness which is very much a foundational belief that everything is impermanent but really it is you know including your feelings so for instance jace like you're in, in your example when you're getting really tired and it's more likely to bring up these feelings of hopelessness or depression or negativity of being able to be conscious of like oh but this is just a feeling that's in this moment and it's gonna pass that this isn't forever it may pass in 30 seconds it may pass after i've had a full night's rest it may take a week to pass but it'll pass it just made me think of the the david goes to the dentist yeah. Is this going to be forever? Is forever? <laughs> that is forever? Oh, God. Wait, <laughs> like that are they, are you, was that about <laughs> someone getting their wisdom teeth taken out? It no, wasn't no, his wisdom it was teeth. Oh, but it, but it was some kind of dental surgery, I think. Where, oh, yeah, God. He was recovered. He was coming out of the uh, anesthesia. anesthesia. Yeah. Also, Emily, what rock have you been living under that you don't know the context no, of? No, I did. I watched a. I watched a bunch of videos like that when I was about to get my wisdom oh, teeth geez, taken so you out. Just, like, loaded up so on that's data why on after dentist videos. Oh, yeah, man. well, those ones were funny and they made the thought of it not so scary. Oh, that's good. That's nice. That's good. Yeah, um, for sure. It's so, that anyway, too past. Yeah. <laughs> Having an awareness of impermanence that this won't be forever, as David, yeah. after the dentist says. Um, <laughs> but also that people come and go, relationships come and go, plans come and go. You may have really good plans laid out and they don't come through and maybe something better happens maybe something worth worse happens i think it's an awareness that uh just that that's part of the nature of life that things are impermanent um that's wrapped up into being conscious for me as well great Mm -hmm. okay so if we take that as sort of our working idea of what consciousness is which which is probably good to have in many arenas of your life not just your relationships not just relationships um but so now let's start with the opposite what does a lack of consciousness look like when it comes to relationships, specifically monogamous relationships? Mm. So, so like yes. what does unconscious monogamy look yeah. like? Exactly. Um, it's this idea that if you come together and commit to being sexually exclusive, it's because it's how we were conditioned um, or motivated by the desire for security and this, you know, worry or fear of aloneness or just blind infatuation. 
any of the above, that's kind of an idea of unconscious monogamy. Yeah, Just that like, it occurs because, like, this is the way that things are. So we're being unconscious about it, not being mindful or out of, of it. Fear, like you were saying. Yeah. Exactly. I'm so afraid of being alone, so I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, yeah. so it kind of comes person. down to the motivations for monogamy. Um, and so I, in my head, I broke it down to a couple different iterations of unconscious monogamy, a couple different categories that I feel that I see often either modeled in our media or modeled among our groups of friends or among clients um, that I kind of broke it down to these rough four categories of unconscious monogamy that I see. And oft, often people have it all mixed together. Sometimes it's not just sure. one. Yeah. You yeah. won't just be one of these. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. start us off with number part, part one, section one, <laughs> category one, section one, paragraph A. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I called this, jealous slash possessive monogamy and this is when you're choosing monogamy for the purpose of protecting you from feelings of jealousy um i think we i think we confront this a lot in the non-traditional relationship space because that gets to the core of people who have a hard time adjusting to polyamory or anything non-monogamous is like but monogamy but with monogamy i don't have to feel jealous which mm. is not necessarily true. Um, yeah. People definitely feel jealous even in monogamous relationships. But this idea of like, if I'm monogamous, if my partner's monogamous with me, then I won't have to feel threatened. I won't have to have my insecurities triggered by them being with somebody else. And so it's choosing monogamy for the purpose of protecting yourself from feelings of jealousy. Um, this is closely related to the nuance of more possessive monogamy, which is I want to be monogamous because I want to tie down or I want to take ownership of this person that I'm infatuated with, this person that I'm falling in love with, or this person that I think is a quote unquote, a good catch. And, right. and as Queen B says, I need to put a ring on it. Um, <laughs> you know, well, I, I do want to, I, I did want to bring that up actually. Uh -huh. The, the, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Idea is, like the implication behind all of that is if you didn't claim me, if you didn't mm. take ownership over me by, by getting engaged or getting married, that then you're liable to lose me because mm -hmm. I don't have any commitment to you, right? I don't have any commitment to this relationship unless this external thing has happened that has mm. nothing to do with our relationship necessarily, but we've given it this meaning. Right. Well, that's kind of a relationship escalator idea yeah. as well. Yeah, a lot of this is tied up into the relationship escalator stuff. And a lot of people in monogamy do kind of believe like, oh, if I'm in this monogamous relationship with someone for X amount of time, then it's just, you know, it's only the next possible step of being in a marriage with that person. Right. You know, right. or riding the relationship escalator to its eventual death declining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and that this actually kind of goes into the next category of unconscious monogamy, which we've called coercive monogamy. Hmm. Uh, and that sounds really harsh, um, but basically yeah. what this is, and I'll, I'll tie it back in in a second, is that coercive monogamy means you're monogamous because of pressure from somebody else. For example, if you're not monogamous with me, I will leave you. Or as a parent, you know, I'll disown you if you're not monogamous with someone or I'm not going to give you as much inheritance if you don't mm. have a family like if you're not yeah. getting married and having a family uh, withdrawing my support for you emotionally all sorts of things like that that this is tied to 
both that relationship escalator idea where I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people in a relationship who will say things like, well, my partner and I have been together for X number of years, say 10 years, uh, but he hasn't proposed to me yet, or mm-hmm. but, but we're not moving toward getting married yet, and I'm thinking I should get out of this relationship, even though I'm happy in it and nothing's wrong. Hmm. But it's this idea of this coercion. In this case, it's almost more societal. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. But yeah. It, that could also end up being coercion from your partner. Hmm. So they, they'll go to their partner and say, hey, you know what? I need this next step in my life because they're thinking that the relationship escalator is what makes their relationships worthwhile and saying, I'm going to leave unless we get married. Mm. Right? Not because I hate you and not because I'm doing this maliciously. I'm doing it because I think that this is what I need to do to be socially mm. acceptable, to be a worthwhile person, to achieve my goals in life. Right. I think I have to do this. And so they end up coercing their partner either into doing it or to breaking up the relationship mm because of these external factors. So it can kind of trickle down as well. And I think I, I, I feel like we could do a whole other episode on this because coercion rides along the same line as maintaining one's boundaries. Hmm. I think we've talked about this before, that there's a difference between, between like, if you know, I want to get married someday, I know that's very important to me. And you realize my partner's told me she doesn't want to get married. Your boundary is, okay, then I need to leave this relationship in order to protect myself and protect what I value. I need to leave and find what it is that I actually want. That's the ideal. But often it manifests as coercion, as in I'm going to use my boundary to threaten my partner or coerce my partner. I'm going to go to my partner and say, well, if you don't want to get married, then I'm going to leave. So if you want me to stick around, then you better marry me. Right. You better change well, your beliefs. Yes. Exactly. I mean, if you come into a relationship thinking that you can change a person regardless of what their boundary yeah. or their belief system is, then yeah, that's that should be thought of as coercion. Like sure. they yeah. they came with this, you know, preconceived notion of, "Hey, I'm not going to change my way for you. I don't want to get married." And then you go and say like, "No." I believe I can get this person to marry me. I'm different. Right. right. And yeah. the and the the thing that's tricky about this is often you can get people to change at sure. least for that a while. Kind of at least for a while. Yeah. Or it'll work, but that's not actually going to make you happier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? That getting the goal of marriage or of monogamy or whatever isn't by itself going to make you happy. What's going to make you happy is just having a relationship that's happy. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And what's our next one? Now. So default monogamy, which we touched on before, but again, this idea that it's just the way that it's done. Mm-hmm. It's tradition. This is the only way that works. Like it, anything else is not going to be a real relationship or it doesn't mean as much. Um, but just it, that people kind of view monogamy as the way that it's been done for thousands of years and the way that it should be done. And so that's what I have to do. This, yeah, this one feels like that. I feel like this is the perfect definition of unconscious monogamy because it's mm-hmm. it's monogamy that is not proactively or consciously chosen. It's just, yeah. this is the way everybody does it. And this is what's been expected of me from the moment that I was born. And this is what I'm going to do. And I think for all three of us, that's very much the way that we were raised was in this context of like monogamy is the default. Like that's just what you do. And that, and 
Yeah, no, sorry. Just that it, that a lot of people come into polyamory or a non-traditional relationship and say, like, I had no idea that this was right. even a thing. Because, sure. yeah, they they literally have never heard of anything else before but default monogamy. And, and that was definitely me before... Sure. You know, before... It, it was a gradual process of different realizations of, oh, jealousy doesn't equal love, and then kind of later on eventually discovering polyamory and non-monogamy, that this is something people actually can do. Mm-hmm. That for me, it was that. But for other people, it could be becoming aware of those things and still choosing monogamy, but learning how to consciously come at it as a choice, mm-hmm. which is yeah. what we're getting to as we move toward the second half here. Right. Um, and then the last category of types of unconscious monogamy uh, is, I love this, is called magical monogamy. <laughs> and this one's a little bit related to the jealous and possessive monogamy, um, but this one is this belief that there's something magical about being monogamous or about mm-hmm. getting married or whatever part of the kind of uh, social script for how monogamy works that there's some inherent magic in those things that's going to solve your relationship problems mm-hmm. or solve your personal problems, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, you complete me from yes. Jerry Maguire, right? right. That sure. sentiment right there, I think, is one of the most toxic <laughs> sentiments that's that's ever been propagated into the world of dating. You're is my the better idea, half. Right, my better mm-hmm. half, that, that somehow you're going to fix my problems <laughs> by being with me. Specifically yeah. by being monogamous with me, but by being with me at all, right? This this can apply in either case. And you're filling this hole within me, this void. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So this falls into things like where, you know, we have this really tumultuous relationship and we keep hurting each other, but then the people in it will say things like, but we love each other so much. So it's worth it to like, get to this point where we can get married, even though we're really unhappy together mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, feeling like we want totally different things in life like the examples before of maybe I want to get married and have kids and this other person doesn't ever want to get married mm-hmm. or I want to start a home with someone and they don't want to share a house with somebody. They like living on their own with their cats, <laughs> whatever it is, is the idea that, Oh, but we love each other so much that somehow we're going to get past these mm-hmm. incompatibilities, mm-hmm. which then ends up turning into that coercive monogamy or mm-hmm. other things like, or default monogamy. It can look like yeah. other things. I, and I think, honestly, I think the most toxic version of this that I see coming up quite often is just painting monogamy as like the only way that you can truly attain intimacy or mm-hmm. love. And that's, you know, I mean, we've covered this kind of on the other side of this where we talk about you know, debunking myths about polyamory um, and debunking the notion that polyamorous relationships or non-monogamous relationships are not serious or are not loving. Um, but I think that this often gets fed to us of this idea of like this noble sacrifice of being devoted to just one person. Like that's truly the only way to love somebody. That's truly the only way to get this magical love, intimacy, magic spell, potion, whatever the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, I think that that manifests a lot. And I mean, for God's sake, like that's reiterated in every single love story and every single rom-com in everything in our culture is this idea that the monogamous couple creates some magical thing. And I'll be honest, like I do think there are parts of love itself that are magical, but I think it's important to, to separate that out from monogamy. Mm. 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I would I would go even a step further and say that I don't think oh, any I know of you, it's... I know you would. I don't think any of it is magical, uh-huh. but I think it does feel magical. It feels... Yes. We can feel the feeling that we associate with that word of, oh, this just feels so magical. I had this magical evening, <laughs> right? But I think it's a really... Uh, damaging thing when we when we do believe that things have this meaning outside of themselves mm-hmm. that they have more of this cosmic inherent goodness to them rather than just what's going on between those two people mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or that group of people or or whomever. I mean, and to be fair, let's let's not be biased here. I think that this kind of magical thinking can infect people who are non-monogamous as well or Absolutely. polyamorous. Oh God, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. into oh, thinking sure. that because you're poly, like somehow you have access to more magic or a bigger heart or something some kind of you're more enlightened more or more enlightenment or whatever i think everything in this list we just gave here could also apply to unconscious hierarchy in polyamory Mm -hmm. um this could apply to you know all all sorts of things that people also do in non-monogamous relationships whether they're swinging or polyamory or whatever Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So what is conscious monogamy we've laid out what consciousness is we've laid out what unconscious monogamy might look like how do we synthesize that what is conscious monogamy so i think that a really important part of conscious monogamy is it being proactively chosen as in not just chosen by default default, or Mm -hmm. which is really not a choice at all um not just kind of landing in it by default not choosing it because you're put under pressure um, or because you're afraid of feeling jealous or afraid of losing somebody, that it's proactively chosen by both sides and that it's continually crafted 
by both parties, which we'll get into a little bit more later on, but as in that both of you proactively choose it and you're committed to uh, crafting the relationship to be what you want it to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a very important part of conscious monogamy. And in addition, it is free to be scrutinized and questioned. Um, it's something I think a lot of people do in monogamous relationships is they don't continue to kind of build upon the relationship necessarily or question like, hey, is this the best thing for us? Are we doing everything in our power to continue moving this forward? Um, and and so if you continue to question it and scrutinize it, like what is serving us right now? Can we make a change for the better, for example, what parts of this monogamous relationship do we like? Which parts don't we like? Um, I know we've talked about our monthly check-in meetings, such as Scrum, mm-hmm. uh, but it, th- this is great for this, because uh, you can go back, kind of review the month, see the things that uh, you really want to talk about or really want to work on for the upcoming month, um, and then continue working from there. Because I, yeah, I mean, some of, I think when Jace and I, for example, started talking about like what we wanted our relationship to look like, and that occurred uh, sort of when we were thinking about polyamory for the first time, that was the first time we started really scrutinizing and thinking like, hey, is this the best thing for us? What kind of relationship do we want to have? And so many people don't get that opportunity. So it's really important to continue to do that in any relationship type. Yeah, definitely. And Part of the reason for that is that conscious monogamy is customizable. Mm-hmm. That it's that it's a relationship that's custom built for the two of you that are in the relationship. And my my favorite analogy for this is that it's like um, a house. That on the one hand we have getting this prefabricated house, you know, where you go to those subdivisions and every house looks identical, and. There, I don't know if any of you have worked in, in like house maintenance at all, but I did a little bit when I was in college, what? and those really? houses are also built like shit. Yeah, the, oh, like the walls, McMansion style. The sort of McMansion style, yeah, right? They're turned all out. turned out. Everything's press board. Nothing's right. quality. It rots mm-hmm. really quickly. They don't hold up in weather. You'll have you know flooded mm. basements, all this stuff. They look nice at first, but there's no quality to it. And it's also, you just get the one size. Right, you show With up the one layout, the one layout, the one way. That's it. One size fits all. Yeah. On and so that's taking the default of monogamy that might seem pretty at first, but it doesn't hold up because it wasn't actually custom built mm-hmm. for you. So on the other hand, is custom building the house where you have a podcast recording room in it, which would be awesome. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> right? Or you know whatever it is that it's got you know inset cabinetry or right i'm i'm getting a little too far with my metaphor here (laughs) but what this looks like in relationships is things like if you take apart this idea that a relationship has to look a certain way or that that's the only way it's done but instead Mm -hmm. every single piece of your relationship is chosen by you because you're the ones doing it Mm. so this could mean things like living together or not there are monogamous people who have children who don't live together and yeah. love that, are very happy with it. Um, or maybe you do want to live together, right? Either way, but it's a choice you made instead of maybe, a default assumption. Maybe you want to live together but have your kids live somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I know some um. people who would like that. <laughs> right? Oh, um, man. 
And then another part of that, you know, aside from, from living together or even marriage or kids at all, mm-hmm. that those things don't mm-hmm. have to come with this relationship. You don't need those things in order for your relationship to be meaningful. Yeah. Uh, so it's possible that those things you could customize as well. Um, and so we wanted to actually go into a little list here of some specific categories that you can have a conversation about and customize as it relates to the actual monogamy part of the relationship. Right. Meaning, what does monogamy actually mean? Hmm. And an important flip side to that is what does what is cheating then? Mm, yeah, what is what mm. is the breach of monogamy? Right, like based on what that is definition? it we're actually agreeing to instead of saying, oh yeah, we're monogamous and then you might have some assumptions about what that means and I might have some assumptions about what that means. Mm. So we have four categories of this. So this is, yeah, like a list of four within a list of four. This is great. Um, <laughs> See, it's very Buddhist. It it's, is very yeah, exactly. that. Collapsing lists. Uh-huh. All right, so the first one is the one that most people think of right away, which is sexual monogamy. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite question to ask monogamous people that I talk to if I'm talking about doing a podcast on polyamory. And regardless of their reaction to it, I want to have a conversation with them where I'm not going to try to convince them polyamory is better than monogamy because I think that's their choice to make. And I don't think it's inherently better. I think it's just a choice that I've made and that I want people to feel free to make. But the question I ask them when they say, well, why would you do this podcast and why would I want to listen to it is this question is, okay, with you and your monogamous partner, where is the line between what's cheating and what's not? For mm-hmm. example, you mean specifically right now with sexual with sexual yeah. with sexual monogamy is with physical contact, I guess I would call it. It doesn't even have to be sexual, right? Mm-hmm. Is for some people uh making out with their friends at a party is fine. And other people that would be so like break up right now, you've mm-hmm. just devastated me. That's awful. For other people having opposite sex friends is not acceptable. Counts as mm-hmm. cheating. Right? Like having physical contact with like, any opposite sex Yeah, like holding hands with... Hold, or cuddling sorry, or... Holding hands with or cuddling with a friend right. would be considered cheating. And for other people, they're like, what? No, of course not. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Right? That there's this whole range. And actually having a conversation about, you know, what that, what that means to you and what you are okay with or aren't could also help shine some light on why you might think that. Hmm. Like maybe you would say, oh, yeah, no, cuddling, that wouldn't be acceptable. But when you're actually having that conversation about it, you go, well, huh, why is that? Why would I be bothered by cuddling? I guess I wouldn't be bothered by Mm -hmm. that, right? Or maybe you still are, but either way, you've had that conversation. Hmm. Because I know a lot of people who've gotten into some situation where they get into a fight over, I flirted with somebody at a party Mm -hmm. and now my partner is treating me like I cheated on them. Hmm. Because, but... I can't say, hey, we clearly said this was okay, and and they can't say it wasn't, but you're both just as hurt, possibly more Mm -hmm. hurt, because you broke a rule without knowing it was there, I guess. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think another aspect to talk about, so that's the sexual monogamy arena. Let's say physical monogamy. Yeah, 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 physical, physical. yeah, because it could be something like getting a massage, or (laughs) or cuddling, (laughs) or whatever, you know. Um, so let's talk about the arena of emotional monogamy. I, I know there's been a lot of play around like emotional infidelity and things like that. Um, mm, yeah. I think it is important to sit down and talk with your partner about what counts as emotional monogamy. Now, for a lot of people, it means 
well, you're the only person that I love or that I'm in love with or that I'll say I love you to in a romantic way. But it can, you know, you can take the conversation further by asking, well, what if I have a really close friend that I hang, I spend a lot of time with and like we Mm -hmm. go to the movies together and I confide in them. Is that okay? Or is that violating something? Like, would you prefer that I reserve those kind of interactions only for my romantic partner? Um, I mean, emotional monogamy can take many, many different forms. Um, But for some people, it really isn't acceptable for you to get a close, intimate friendship with someone that you're not in a romantic relationship with and they'll feel more threatened by. It reminds me of the the conversation around having dinner alone with someone of the opposite sex. Right. Oh, right. All that that came up with Mike Pence. Mike Pence. Yeah. Butthead. Well, right, but this is a good example. Well, Tamara shows its true colors and <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's uh, fine. <laughs> but I remember reading an article about that that talked about some studies that were done showing that a surprisingly high number of people mm-hmm. agree with that statement, right. though. That having that that's somehow having drinks or dinner alone with someone of the opposite sex counts as would would not be acceptable, not be acceptable. in yeah. a right. in a married relationship. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but that is an important conversation to have. Of well, dinner or drinks can look a lot of different ways. Right. So maybe it's not the dinner or drinks that's specifically the problem. So let's get clearer on where are the lines, right? Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of just assuming or trying to make this broad statement broad that, that statement eliminates it, yeah. you know a quarter of the heads of state. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, closely related to that is this concept of social monogamy. And I think this is really fascinating because for some people, it's much more important for them to be perceived as monogamous than to mm-hmm. actually be monogamous. Um, this comes up not just in monogamous relationships, but I think also in a lot of polyamorous relationships. You know, when we see things like people not wanting you to post pictures with another partner on your social yeah. media or something like that. Uh, you know, and also, if you're not out of the closet, that might be understandable as well. Of Like, we need to be perceived to be monogamous as a matter of safety um, in right. this particular context. Or, or if you're a politician like Frank Underwood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that you need to be perceived at least socially as being monogamous. Um, <laughs> and but, straight, apparently. But let's say right. if you, you know, right. if you only have one partner, um, you can, it's still important to talk about this because I think this gets into the realm of how much are we comfortable talking about our relationship on social media? How much are we comfortable posting pictures together on social media? Is that something that one partner expects is going to happen a lot? Is that not very important to the other partner? Is one partner going to feel slighted if their partner doesn't post a lot of pictures or tags or stuff on social media? Um, and or I think say, that, I'm in a relationship with right, X on Facebook. Right. How important is it yeah. that you're your Facebook official or not? You know, yeah, like totally. It is important to actually have these conversations in order to get clear on it. Yeah, another part of that actually goes back to the idea of having close friends and things like that and taking apart each part of monogamy and choosing which ones work for you. But is the idea of things like work parties or family events of Mm -hmm. does our monogamy mean that not only am I the only person you're allowed to take to anything Mm -hmm. like that, but also you have to take me to everything like that or at least invite me? Or is it okay to say you know what, I'm going to go spend the holidays with my family, you can spend it with your family and bring along your friend, or, you know, whatever it is, 
right? Is that okay in your relationship? Mm. That can also apply to this social monogamy and also transitions into our next topic. Exactly, into activity monogamy. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, but yeah. That, yeah, that some people think that, well, if we're together, we have to spend holidays together, for example. But that might not necessarily be the case. But also that, like, okay, we're only allowed to go to this restaurant or we're only allowed to go to this play party or whatever. I mean, whatever it may be, but that uh, you're monogamous through the activities that you choose to do with that person only. Or that, like I was saying, that you have to do it, though. That if yeah. you didn't invite them to a work party, you know, then you just that to would spend be perceived as like. That that would be a betrayal. Really weird or screwed up, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this activity monogamy thing, it doesn't have to be more toxic. Like in the ways that I think you guys are describing it, like because sure. I think that if you are if you are consciously choosing monogamy, I don't think it's it's necessarily a bad thing to say like, hey, this particular vacation destination, I love that that's our place. Like I sure. love that we made all these memories in the Bahamas, and I love the idea of that being our retreat, and maybe we can go back every couple of years and. Like, like I love the idea that that's something that makes our relationship very special, um, mm-hmm. you know. And but just talking about those things with your partner and just having an awareness of it. Well, I'll give you another m- more positive spin on something that I was painting as negative was like with the the work events, for example, which I think falls into both social monogamy because it's about how you're perceived, and also yeah. activity monogamy of what you do together. But it could be fair to say it's really important to me that I'm always the one you bring as your plus one to your work events or something. Not but that like in having that conversation, part of that could also be, well, then let's figure out some other things that you can do with your best friend that I'll understand. Mm. Those are your events. Hmm. Like by knowing that I've said this one's really important to me, I can understand that you might have other things that are important with other people, like other friends or things mm. like that. So that yeah. to put a more positive spin on that one, that doesn't yeah. have to be a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could go on forever with figuring <laughs> out what conscious monogamy is, but I, I just feel like those are the most important parts of it, that it's proactive, that it can be questioned and talked about, that it can be negotiated and that you're, that it can be, uh, teased apart essentially that it can be deconstructed that, that you can built. it's custom built that you can look at all these different aspects of it and handle each one individually rather than hoping that you guys happen to just come as a package deal and then it hope hope hoping that it just works out you yeah, know you just happen to have all the same assumptions right yeah, yeah yeah so i think that's yeah and also by allowing it to be customizable allows it to change over time especially if you're imagining spending the rest of your life together that's a long time and while it may not seem like right now you'd ever want to change these things you might and when you're able to separate out all of the components that make up your relationship you get to a point where i want to change some of the activities i do or i want to change the way i relate to my friends you can do those without it feeling like oh god we've now dismantled the whole thing i guess mm-hmm. the idea being that if you suddenly hate the cabinets that it's not like <laughs> well i have to move out and leave you in this house because i hate the cabinets sorry can't stand right. it that we can be like hey let's let's figure out how to change the cabinets so that we're <laughs> both happy with them basically 
you know, and ideally your relationship is going to be this dynamic, free flowing, you know, ever changing thing. And with that, your ideas of what you want in your relationship and what your partner may want are going to be continually changing. So this way, instead of just keeping it static, keeping it one way forever, it can be moving with the two of you and hopefully right. growing with the two of you. Right. Yeah. Right. So why the heck are people on a a mostly polyamorous <laughs> podcast talking about monogamy at all. Um, I think that it should be clear at this point that so much of this can apply even if you're in a non-monogamous relationship, that it really comes down just to having conscious relationships in general, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the same thing with, with non-monogamy is you can piece out all the different parts of that and, and have discussions about what is it that we like? What is it that we don't like? What is it that seems to fit the best keeping multiple partners in mind Mm -hmm. that it's bringing a sense of consciousness to your relationships in general that doesn't have to just apply to monogamy. Um, And I think also for us, something that's very important is this idea of relationship choice coming back to talking about default monogamy being this possibly toxic thing. But if you're able to consciously and actively choose monogamy, that means that you have this freedom of choice and that decision is much more powerful than if you just kind of ended up in monogamy just because. Absolutely. Exactly. And that rather than taking away the sort of mysterious magicalness of monogamy, it's going to add to the intimacy and the closeness and ultimately the happiness that you feel in your relationships because it's bespoke, custom-built for you uh, Mm -hmm. and not just trying hard to make yourself fit some other model of Mm -hmm. how a relationship needs to work. Yeah, and I so appreciate how many monogamous people have told me that they listen to this podcast. And, and that they too. Yeah, yeah, and that they get a lot out of it. And so, yeah, clearly, hopefully we're doing something right that it can be applied to every type of relationship, the, the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. Well, I think that when you really get down to it, monogamy and polyamory really aren't that different when yeah. it actually yeah. comes to relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's really just taking a few of these little custom pieces we talked about and swapping them out. Right. That's yeah. really the difference. It's not like this. We're not a, an entirely like whole other different of way of, you know, we live in hobbit holes and you guys live in skyscrapers. <laughs> it's not that different. It's just the cabinets are different or the floor is different right. or different number of floors or whatever right. it is. Right, right, you right. love your house. I really <laughs> like this analogy right here. Love My love God. It. Loving it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to have your question or comment played on the show, you can call a 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Just to reiterate, because we never have, that is the entire number. It is 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. We don't say the 678 just as a catchy lead-in. <laughs> um, if <laughs> well, you're an international do, listener, you can also leave a voice message for us on our Facebook page. You can also email us at info at multiamory.com or you can send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. To support our show and join our private Facebook community, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.